You're listening to A Preacher's Life, a podcast about a preacher's life, his work, and his family. And now here's the host of A Preacher's Life podcast, Doug Ellingsworth. As Jesus and his disciples were traveling along, Luke tells about a time they came to a village where there were 10 men, 10 lepers, who because of their disease could not associate with the other folks in the village. So standing quite away from everybody else, they began yelling toward Jesus saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when Jesus saw them, Luke says that he told them, go show yourselves unto the priest. Just that simple statement. No promise of a miracle, no grand and glorious experience for them to enjoy. He just gave a simple, straightforward command. But Luke writes in chapter 17 of his gospel that as they went, they were cleansed. Using God's commands to set the itinerary for their journey, these 10 men were healed as they traveled the road that Jesus set them upon. Healing along the way. That's the subject of this episode of A Preacher's Life. Life gets messy. One of the oldest stories in your Bible describes the life of Job, whose opinion on life was, man that is born of a woman is of few days and full of trouble. Sickness, heartbreak, utility bills, aging parents, wayward children, cranky bosses, unreliable employees, dishonest co-workers, leaky roofs, cars that won't start, and, and on and on and on the list goes. And every preacher knows that he can add to this list multiple stories of heartbreak and hurt. People that you've invested hours and dollars in, helping them get off of drugs or out of a life of sin to get established. And it seems as soon as their footing is solid and their life is put back together, they wave as they walk away. Then there are those that you've helped for years. Some of them have been strong in the faith and have helped you minister to others. And one day you wake to a text message from them simply saying, hey, we're, we're going somewhere else now. These pains and hurts that are part of life. Often, preachers are far away from their family. Their children grow up distant from their grandparents and other family members. There are a lot of pains that a mom and dad face as they daily watch their children miss out in their mind on what other families nearby have. So many things that are part of a preacher's life that leads them to a place to where they too, like these lepers, feel that they're unclean and need help and often that there's nothing they can really do that replaces all of that hurt and all of the disappointment that they're bearing. And even when you read your Bible, every story testifies that a preacher's life gets no free pass. There's no exemption for us from all of life's troubles. No get-out-of-jail-free card. There's no friend-of-God choo-choo train that bypasses all of life's problems. Psalm 107 is one I enjoy reading. I enjoy the constant repetition of the admonition to praise the Lord. You can almost feel the desperation of the, of the psalmist who's saying, Oh, that men, and, and, and I, as a preacher, I feel that, that call and that cry. So I enjoy that psalm. But as you read it, 
It's obvious that this psalm was scratched from the nitty-gritty struggles of everyday living. But right in the middle of this psalm that describes the struggles of real life is a quiet, simple statement that is often overlooked but ought to bring hope to us today. And it's verse 20 that says, He sent His word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Sometimes a preacher's life seems like it's on a wheel that spins and spins and never stops. There's always one more thing that needs to be done. There's always one more phone call. There's always one more hospital visit. There's something that's pressing in the life of a preacher constantly. And sometimes on top of your own family's struggles and your own personal issues, it seems like you never can quite get firm footing to get where you really want to be in your relationship with God and the hurts that you've been bearing and the struggles that have been yours, there's just never time to lay them down and to find your own place of healing and hope. Today, I want to remind you that God's word has its own strength to bring healing to you as you're on your way. Just as those 10 lepers found healing as they simply walked in obedience down the road that Jesus set them on, so can you along the road you're walking find healing for all of those wounds and all the sorrows and troubles that life brings you as well. We're familiar with Hebrews chapter 4 and that, that verse talking about the power of God's word. It's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It describes the Bible, the sharpness, the ability to penetrate, to cut deep, to, to identify trouble and struggles. It, it sounds a whole lot like the scalpel that a doctor uses to cut inside of a human being's body and to find a source of infection or a tumor or to find a bone that's been severed and put it back together to unclog arteries that are stopping the flow of blood just as the doctor's sharp scalpel assist him in locating and finding things that need fixed so that they can heal, so does the Word of God bring healing to us by identifying issues and struggles in our lives, but also just as simply as Jesus prescribed to these lepers a path to walk that never said a thing about healing for their disease, or finding some way to bring cleanness to an unclean body. He just said, walk this way. And I tell you again today, God's word brings healing to those who will simply walk in the path that he's called them to walk in. And it begins by simply obeying the word of God. Some years ago, I ran across a book. The title fascinated me, and it was written by Eugene Peterson. And the title is, a long obedience in the same direction. I like that. I found out later on that um, that seems to have originated with an atheistic philosopher, but nevertheless, it fits this, dis this discussion that we're having here today, a, a long obedience in the same direction. God has not called us to fully understand. He's just called us to fully obey. Too often we get discouraged and people stop traveling this road because their healing, their help doesn't come as quickly as they expect or want it to. And there are others 
and I suspect many pastors and preachers' families, that they just keep walking down the road, but they've stopped expecting things to get better or things to change, and they've stopped looking for God's handiwork and signs of Him working in their own lives. They are just almost out of habit, just walking the path that God set them on. I want to remind you that God's Word has healing power and properties in it, but you've got to have faith and give God room for that to work in your life. Staying in that book of Hebrews, you jump to the 11th chapter, one filled with the description of faith and all these faithful people. It tells us that through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. The worlds are framed by the Word of God. When God calls you to walk in obedience to His Word, He is telling you and showing you how to come into alignment with His Word. And if you come in alignment with His Word, which frames the world, then you find yourself in natural alignment with the world itself. It's when we try to do things our way or ignore God's Word that we get out of, out of kelter. We're, we're not in alignment with the Word of God, and therefore everything seems kind of fuzzy and, and out, of, out of focus. Our task, yours and mine as preachers, but first of all, as committed lovers and followers of Jesus Christ, is to bring our lives and our world into alignment with the Word of God. When everything is out of alignment with God's Word, then all is at odds with nature, which God created and designed to operate within His Word. Even, even folks who aren't in the church, who don't have a relationship with God, even the heathen that Paul was ministering to on Mars Hill in Acts chapter 17, who had made all these idols to every god they could think of, including gods that they just described as the unknown god, he said to them, in Him, speaking of Jesus Christ, in Him we live and move and have our being. So this whole world is framed by the Word of God, and if we're not walking in obedience to it, then it's no wonder that our lives seem kind of out of kelter again and, and at odds with everything going around, and we just never can quite bring our life into a place of contentment and fulfillment. Right after the writer of Hebrews described all of the faith and faithfulness in chapter 11. He moved into a, a discussion of God disciplining those that he loves. It's kind of an interesting thought as you consider chapter 11 and the power of faithful people. And then right into chapter 12, and he's talking about God disciplining us. But he says about that in verse Number 12 and 13, he says, Lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. If you and I aren't careful, the weight of ministry and the weight of the life that we lead and the simple struggles of life can cause us to become accustomed to walking with a bowed back or limping with feeble knees or having weak arms spiritually, just getting used to bearing these burdens and living this life, and that becomes who we are. But the instruction here in Hebrews 12 is for us to intentionally, intentionally refuse to live that life. Yes, God disciplines us, and yes, we go through dark times, but we must 
on purpose and intentionally lift up our hands, strengthen our arms and our knees so that we can be healed rather than grow to always be crippled. To receive the healing of God's word, you are going to have to intentionally take steps, make commitments, and take action to place yourself in a position that that healing power can work. To begin with, your mind has to be at rest. You can't have all kinds of confusion constantly moving in and out of your head. And that's why we just what we just read in Hebrews 12 is immediately followed by a, by a command from the Lord that says, follow peace, follow peace. Healing cannot work in your spirit or body as long as distress is controlling your mind. Faith that casts out fear also calms your mind. But faith is not just an abstract belief that God hears your prayers and is going to work for you, but faith is a lifestyle that accepts and obeys His written word as the foundation upon which everything, your past, your present, your future, everything is dependent. John records the words of Jesus in chapter 15, kind of reinforcing this when he says, If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. The things that I've spoken unto you, I've spoken them that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. So here Jesus ties joy to obeying his commandments. Remember again when he sent those 10 lepers to go see the priest, he didn't give them any fancy promises and he didn't play any little word games with them. He just says, go show yourself to the priest. Sometimes God just intends for us to walk in obedience because he knows that the path we're on will lead to our healing. So you've got to get it into your mind that walking in obedience to God's word is the answer to every problem I have. Don't let your mind be pulling you back and forth. Your joy is dependent upon your obedience. And obedience is a physical response of faith. Somebody who's wishy-washy in their doctrine, somebody who's constantly vacillating about what they believe or how they're going to live, they will always have difficulty experiencing the healing power of the Word of God as they go on their journey. In addition to obedience, embracing the gift of forgiveness, it's essential to a life where peace reigns and where God's Word heals. The greatest blessing in forgiveness is not for the one who's being forgiven, but it comes back to the one who is doing the forgiving. You see, actions that demand forgiveness are almost always actions of anger or hate. We understand anger, but sometimes we misclassify hate. We often think that hate is, is a fierce black darkness that causes people to be uncontrollably upset, that they want to burn down houses and kill puppy dogs and chase people with sticks and knives. But hate isn't always displayed in fits of rage. There are some places in the Bible that describe it, but in Deuteronomy 22, it talks about how if a man marries a woman and then hates her, and he accuses her of being dishonest, when she agreed to marry him, it describes a process they go through to determine whether that was true or if the man is lying. And if the man's lying, the punishment 
is displayed there. But my point in bringing this to your attention is that hate is just sometimes expressed when we no longer like people and we let our actions override what is common courtesy and behavior. Hatred doesn't have to be displayed in fits of rage. Sometimes it's just in it's just in selfishness and it's displayed in more simple and everyday actions. And so when people are angry with you and they inf- inflict pain on you or your family, those actions that they throw out you contain the seeds of whatever caused or motivated them to commit that act. So say somebody's mad at you and they lash out you in anger. The anger travels with the words and actions. And if you're not careful, the seeds of that anger stick in your mind and they will eventually become rooted in your spirit until or unless you deliberately remove it. And the only way to remove anger and hatred out of your heart is to forgive the ones who put it there. So, forgiveness is really a gift of God that allows those who are hurt to pull out the seeds that motivated that pain so that they are not filled with the fruit that those seeds will eventually produce. Bitterness, hatred, anger, envy, The one who forgives will cleanse himself from these things. Your mind cannot be at rest and you cannot pursue peace unless you forgive. And I know I'm talking about a preacher's life, but I'm also talking to preachers who perhaps are in a position to be hurt by others more than any other occupation that exists. And just as everybody else in the world is human, so are those who live the preacher's life. And it's hard to forgive. Forgiveness is not just a one-time act. Even though when you sincerely forgive someone, I believe the Bible teaches us that they are forgiven. But sometimes that that forgiveness has to work through your system. and, And it takes maybe weeks or months and sometimes a long, long time for that seed of anger or that seed of hatred that was inserted into your spirit to be completely washed out. That's why it's important that you live a lifestyle of repentance and a lifestyle of forgiveness so that your mind can be at peace, so that the Word of God can bring healing to you. God's healing is often thwarted by a mind that is not at peace and rest. So along with being Um, obedient to God's word and having a forgiving attitude and spirit. We also have got to realize that when we reduce life down to its lowest terms, this is real simplistic, but it's, it's the truth. Life is just a series of problems that you've been assigned to manage. That describes life. One of life's common themes is that everybody gets to have problems. A few years ago, a fellow came to talk to me and he was telling me all about his life, how he had grown up in a troubled home and how that he didn't have advantages that other people had growing up. And that even as he became an adult and moved into his adult life, he didn't have any help from others 
And he talked about all these things, and, and he mentioned the names of some of his friends, and he compared his life to theirs, and he told me how much better off he would be if he would only have been born with the advantages that these others had. But what he didn't know was just the night before, late at night, I got a call from one of those very men he named who was in tears telling me about an issue that had been dumped on him that he would have to deal with for the coming years. No way to escape it, no way to get around it. Unless God performed a miracle for him, this would be looming in his future. And had the man who was talking to me at that time knew what his friend was dealing with, there's no way in the world he would have wanted to trade places with him. I remind you that there is no way you can be alive and escape the problems that life consists of. The deal is, how will you manage the problems you've been assigned? Because how you deal with them reflects the depth of your commitment to God and to His Word. So just like obeying God's Word and embracing forgiveness, how you manage your problems will also affect the peace that you have in your heart and in your life. In Genesis chapter 1, it's clear that God intended for men and women to take dominion. Take dominion, he says, right in the very beginning, his first commands to mankind was take dominion. And we like that part because we want to be our own bosses and we want to be in charge. And But what it indicates is, is that there will be a conflict. What it assumes is there's going to be pushback. And we don't like the conflict or the pushback. But how we deal with and handle and manage the problems that life gives us directly reflects how we value God's word and how much peace we will have in our hearts and our lives. I tell you that as long as you're on this earth, you will be in a fight, but you were made by God to meet the challenge head on and to win. So fight on, take dominion. And when you win this set of trouble, guess what? Your reward is going to be a brand new set of problems arranged just for you. But here's the deal. You've got to choose who, where, and how you fight your battles. Jocko Willett is a, is a former Navy SEAL. And um, I listen occasionally to his podcast. He's written some books. He does a lot of consulting for businesses now, if you're not familiar with him. But the other day he was talking about how there are a couple of types of battles that people need to be aware of. And he said there's a tactical fight and then there are strategic fights. I'm going to use my own words instead of his to kind of describe this, but I'm taking the philosophy that, that he explained I'm trying to relate it more to our lives as preachers. But he said tactical fights. Those are conflicts that you can choose to engage in. You know, somebody cuts you off on the highway as you're driving down the road. Or, or somebody pushes back at something you've said. There, there are things that you can choose to fight. But if you win, it won't move you any closer to any of your goals. Those are just tactical fights. They don't advance your cause. They don't improve your life. They don't help you spiritually. And then there are strategic battles. These are fights that you intentionally enter because they threaten your ability to achieve your objective. 
What you and I have to do is learn to recognize which battles are important and which ones will just be a drain on my energy, on my spiritual and emotional energy, and which will eat away my time and my resources. We've got to accept the fact that life is full of trouble, and I am the only one that can manage my problems. And if I want to find the healing that's in God's Word, I'm going to have to choose these battles, let the tactical ones slide by, even if it makes me angry, even if somebody, you know how it is in real life, but I've got to pay attention and fight only the strategic battles because I only have so much energy, only have so much emotional strength to invest, only have so much time, and I've got to stay focused on what God has called me to be. I've got to keep my life aligned with the Word of God. I've got to keep my family aligned with the Word of God. I've got to keep the church I pastor or the people I lead or the, the services and crusades I direct as a minister. I've got to keep those aligned with the Word of God. So I remind you that you can find healing along the way, but you've got to bring your mind to rest. And you do that by simply obeying God's word. Yes, it's going to take you down paths you don't understand. And yes, just like Jesus didn't explain things to the 10 lepers, there are times he's going to ask you to walk down paths you don't want to go down that have the potential of embarrassing you. And he won't explain how or why. He will just say, come and let's go. You've got to obey. And secondly, you've got to forgive. Because remember, forgiveness has its most powerful effect on the one who gives forgiveness, not on the one who receives it. And then thirdly, you've got to learn to walk past tactical battles and just fight the strategic ones. Save your energy, save your spiritual adrenaline for those that really matter and will advance you and your family in the kingdom of God. To sum all this up, Every day that you walk in faith and obedience to God's Word, He is healing and making you whole. Forgive those who mistreat you and follow after peace so that His Word can work more effectively in you and it will speed that healing along. Be strategic in the battles you fight and take dominion over your life and over the world that's around you. Set it in alignment with God's Word and it will come to pass that as you go, healing will come. Thanks for joining us for this episode of A Preacher's Life Podcast. For more information about today's discussion or to learn more about us, go to apreacherslife.com. Be sure to join us next time when we again explore A Preacher's Life.